Hello, uh, welcome to the latest episode of Legends of the Spire. This week we're talking to Tom Curtis. Tom was a regular feature of the Chesterfield midfield in the 1990s, uh, one of John Duncan's key signings, um, who started his career both juggling a university degree and playing in the Chesterfield first team. Uh, it was really interesting talking to him. We had a little chat about penalty taking uh, and that obviously that special cup run and even the Battle of Saltergate. Um, which is a bit of an infamous incident that's uh, taken place in Chesterfield's history. Um, he had a real uh, managerial air about him, I thought, when we spoke to him. Uh, he's had a really successful coaching career since finishing playing football, uh, both internationally and now with the um, FA setup uh, with the national teams. Um, so I hope you all enjoy the latest episode. Uh, this is the one and only Tom Curtis. So how did you end up in in Derbyshire? Because you're not a you're not a Derbyshire boy, are you? Born down south, aren't you? I was born down south, but I, I am a Derbyshire boy. Yeah, ah, I, right. we moved up when I was when I was well, three, something like that, two or three. So yeah, I've always been in Derbyshire, really. Ah, to right. be honest, so I, I classify myself as a Derbyshire boy, definitely. Yeah. So is that how you ended up at at Derby then in the in the youth team? Is that yeah, so um, how I ended up there was um, played played lots of sport at school. So um, I played um, football, cricket. I was a big swimmer at school as well. So we we dad, my mum and dad used to take me to swimming in, in in Nottingham. So I swam competitively from about twelve through to probably about sixteen. Hmm. Um, and we'd be training six times six times a week, and we'd have galas on Saturday. So I'd, I'd, I'd also be playing football generally, generally for school and district and county, but not for any uh, any professional club. And eventually got uh, spotted, I guess, by a guy called Richie Williams, who was the uh, Derby County under 16 coach at that time um, and got invited in for a trial. And then it went from there, really. I got, I got signed as a schoolboy um, in my, I was, I was actually halfway through my A-levels. So I was, I was, um, I'd missed out on that scholarship program, or I was, I was asked anyway. Sorry, I was asked to um, to do uh, to do the scholarship to join join in that scholarship. It was apprentice YTS back then, but I'd I'd got partway through my A levels, so it was it was decided that I would uh, continue and finish the the the, the A levels and um, and play sort of part time for the youth team. I'd go in training during the uh, during the holiday breaks. Um, so played for the youth team and eventually got, you know, eventually got offered a, a pro contract there at the end of the two years of playing in the in, in the youth team. Yeah, and then so so in an ideal world, would swimming have been your first choice if you could have been a professional, or were you always was football always your thing? Nah, swimming was hard. Swimming is is blooming, blooming hard. I mean, I'm not big enough to be a swimmer. I'm hardly big enough to be a footballer. But the <laughs> when we um, when you start to get towards the back end of of age group competition, you go into men's open. So I was a 15, 16 year old boy who hadn't physically developed um, at 15, 16. Basically, you know, I was in a 12 year old's body swimming against men. So um, it, it was, it became really, really difficult and challenging. And the training is so hard. You know, you're there two hours a night, up and down all the time. Um, it, it, it's, it's tough. So I didn't really have the build 
didn't really have the inclination to to keep going my swimming and it was at a time really when football was 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 um was coming in as well for me so I I I, I never really thought of myself as being a professional footballer when I was little I can certainly say that I really enjoyed football I loved playing in the districts on Saturday mornings we play on Wednesday afternoons for the county um I play for school um, I'd play for a team, a local side on Sunday mornings called Ladywood Juniors. We'd play in that group as well. And then when Ladywood Juniors finished, I went to play for the um, in the senior team at a place called West Allen. So I was playing, I played a year year in the, in the men's league when I was, yeah, early 16s. Um, so, so that, I guess, helped as well in terms of my, my football development. So you in a, you play in the men's league, again, in a 12-year-old's body, it, yeah. it, you know, it constrains you to... To, to be able to work things out and come up with solutions. And I suppose that really helped me in terms of my development. So yeah, no swimming. Yeah. I, re- I did enjoy swimming, L- love cricket as well. I was really a good, decent cricketer. Had a couple of games for the County. Um, but yeah, eventually football sort of took over really without, w- without it being a real goal. I never really said to myself when I was little, I want to be a professional footballer. It just sort of, I guess, happened for me. And what position were you in? youth teams because it seems that everyone we talked to were all strikers <laughs> even Steve Grizovich was a striker <laughs> when he was when he was a kid I wonder where you played my debut for Derby County professional debut was um was at centre forward no. <laughs> and um, I scored a hat- I scored a hat-trick on my debut actually against uh Notts County so um my debut in the in the youth team I scored a hat-trick on Tuesday night I can remember it it was uh it was right foot volley left foot volley and header in the youth team anyone that's listening to this and seen me play for Chesterfield will be thinking nah he's, he's winding me up here. but yes actually um, called me debut for Derby County as a centre forward um, so when I was a young player I was a centre forward I was a wide player I was quite quick um, yeah and then gradually sort of migrated myself back to a dour central central midfield player that always passed it sideways <laughs> it's it's funny how everyone seems to start off up front. I suppose this is a lesson for scouts around the country just to sign up the centre forwards. <laughs> they can end up anywhere. <laughs> so then, yeah. how did yeah. you end up? Because you were then at university, weren't you? When you ended up signing for Chesterfield, is that right? Yeah. So I, I did two years at Derby County, and it was at the time where um, Derby was taken over by new ownership. So when I signed. Um, Derby had just been really uh, sorry, just been relegated from the old first division, the Premier League today, into the second division or the Championship. And, and, and I signed that season, and there were players in that team like Schultz, Peter Shilton was in the team, Dean Saunders was in the team, Mark Wright was in the team. They all left. So I thought right, we've got a decent opportunity here to get myself in the in the team. That was the idea. But then. Um, uh, the new, I can't remember what the new owner was called. But anyway, they, they, some money came into the club and they signed, they paid big money at the time for, for some decent players. So people like uh, Marco Gabbiadini, if you can remember that name, yeah. Paul Kitson, um, Craig Shaw, Mark Pembridge. The club was spelling, spending millions of pounds on these experienced players, which really blocked our pathway as a youth, as a youth team. So um, I played for two years really in the reserves learnt loads it was a brilliant it was a really brilliant time had some good coaches so um the likes of Roy McFarland and Arthur Cox were the were the first team managers assistant coaches but they were you know really really good coaches and 
had some real sort of strong values that that filtered down through the club, which you know you had to abide by. And if you didn't, then you you were out in your ear. So it was a great experience for me at Derby. Although I didn't make my debut at Derby, um, played with some great players um, and was coached by some really good coaches. At the end of my two-year contract, I was released. Arthur Cox told me um, he didn't think I was going to be good enough to play league football and uh, I should try and play at as high level as I can. I was actually offered a job at Derby when I left as a coach. So um, Arthur, um, I'd done a lot of coaching um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the community scheme when I was at Derby. So I was the one that went out into the schools in the afternoon and coached um, you know, groups of kids. So they... They thought I had a bit of potential as a coach, so they offered me a job actually as a as a as a coach. I suppose that was the job that a guy called Steve Round eventually took. I don't know if you can know Steve Round. So Steve Round had a really successful career as a first team coach, national coach. Um, but I decided that it would be better to go to university at that stage. So I applied for university. Um, I sort of kept my place after my A levels. I thought, right, I'm going to go to university and, and study. So I I was on a sports science and geography course managed to do that. And then halfway through the summer, I was offered a trial by Chesterfield. I had a number of trials, actually, at a number of different clubs. Offered a trial by Chesterfield. I was, uh, at that stage, I was just about to sign for Burton Albion as a part-time player. So I was going to combine um, football for Burton, who were then in the conference and the part-time with studying at university. But then Chesterfield offered me a contract. They were in League, uh, uh, league One, League Two. I can't remember where they were. I think they were in the, the old third division at the yeah. time. Yeah, fourth division, possibly. Um, yeah, fourth division. And then, um, yeah, so I, I said, look, no, I've, I've already committed to going to university. Um, um, I'd really like to, but I've made this commitment and feel I've got to fulfil that particular commitment. But John was was great. And, and Kevin Randall as well, actually. Kev was the one that, I, I suppose, persuaded me, me in the end. Um, he persuaded me to sign for... Chesterfield as opposed to Burton um, and it really went from there I, I, Burton were offering me I can remember £120 a week Chesterfield offered me £80 a week but I thought it was a better idea to go to Chesterfield because they were in the league Yeah, yeah. so um, Kev persuaded me to sign for £80 a week and uh, yeah I stayed there for seven years which was a, you know, it was a good decision in the end yeah, it's not bad to be able to earn something while you're at university. <laughs> nice yeah, no, when I was at university, I was like a millionaire, really. You know, I, I, I didn't stay on £80 a week for long, for, for, for very long because I got myself in the team pretty quickly. So, um, I mean, I wasn't a millionaire, clearly. But, uh, yeah, in relation to everybody else, I had a few quid in my pocket. So it was decent to be able to buy a few drinks in the union on a on a Saturday night. Yeah, no, that was not meant to be stood next to. <laughs> and then how did you... So how then did you juggle it? Because... Obviously, you're having to struggle both things, aren't you? And you, you kind of settled into the first team. Really, I think you played like 35 league games. I think in your first season, I think something like that. So, well, a team straight away, yeah. So, um, I made my debut. I think it was a Tuesday night in the old league against West. Was it West Ham? Might have been West Ham on the on that Tuesday night. I think, or might have played in the on Saturday against Carlisle. It was one of the two, but it was early on in the season. So there was a guy called Tony Dennis who John had signed that year. I don't know if you can remember, you're too young to remember him, but there's a guy called Tony Dennis who John had signed from Cambridge and he didn't really fancy him. I think in pre-season, I, 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 could, I could run really well back then. So I could run, I ran past him in pre-season, no problem. I probably ran past him in the games. So John thought, right, well, let's get, let's get Tom in and maybe Tony, 
Tony comes out. So I got in the team fairly quickly. How did I manage it? John was brilliant. John and Kev were, were, were brilliant with me. So I would, I'd study, um, my, my week was basically, um, I'd play on Saturday for Chesterfield. I would um, study on Sunday. Uh, Monday, I would go to lectures and then I'd train with the university side Monday night with a great coach, a guy called Mike Holiday, who was a fantastic football coach, really, really good. I'd then um, go back to lectures on Tuesday, probably get off in the afternoon and go and play on Tuesday night for Chesterfield. I'd come back on, on Wednesday. We'd have some lectures Wednesday morning. I'd then play for the university side in the afternoon on Wednesday. I'd be out in the union on Wednesday night. Don't tell anybody. John used to bring John used to ring me up Wednesday night and check we were check where I was because in them days he could run out of the pub. Yeah, run out of the pub then. Yeah, um, and then Thursday, what do we do? Thursday, Thursday I had lectures and I'd train again with the university side. Friday, I'd travel up to Chesterfield and do the Friday morning session with the rest of the guys, things like set plays, organisation, that sort of thing. I'd then go back home and see my then girlfriend at my mum and dad's house on Friday night. And then I'd play Saturday. So that was, that was how I juggled it really. So, um, yeah, I managed to play, I don't know how many games I played that, that year, that, those three years with Chesterfield, maybe 120, 130 games. Yeah. Never got injured. I better played, I better played 60 games for the university as well. Um, and I ended up with a, a, a decent enough degree. I got two, one managed to scrape through. Um, yeah, I didn't really feel as though it was difficult at the time. I didn't really feel tired. Um, I always had enough energy to do what I wanted to do. Um, clearly, these days, there'd be strength programmes to, to, to get into, and that might have helped with subsequent injuries, I guess. But at the time, that, that, that stage of my career, it was, it, was, um, it was absolutely fine. Really enjoyed it. It was the best three years of my me, me life. I had the best of everything. So I had university... I had football. I could manage to buy the guys a few cans of cores in the evening from from the bar in the union. You know, it was just like it was just brilliant. Just doing everything was 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 really cool. Yeah, it's like the exuberance of youth, isn't it? You do just feel like you can do everything. Then yeah, no, and I, yeah. So I often like I work work now in 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 development football for for the FA. Um, and, you know, there's some fantastic development programmes and the players are so much better than what we were. Um, but I do sometimes think, flipping it, you know, when the sports scientist tells me, well, he can only stay out on the pitch for 55 minutes today. You know, the, a 15 or 16-year-old, he can only stay out 55 minutes and he stops his watch when, you know, maybe, maybe we, it's not the sports scientist, we stop our watches on 55 minutes to make sure the player's absolutely fine. And then I think back to what I was doing you know, playing X amount of games per season, you know, and sometimes I think we're a bit, we, we do molly, molly, molly coddle them a little bit, but maybe, yeah, maybe I'm wrong on that. And, and what, what did the other players in the changing room think about it when you were <laughs> studying? Because it's obviously a, it's an unusual path, isn't it? For, uh, yeah. Uh, um, the lads at Chesterfield were the best lads, the best play, the best group that I have um, played with. So, um, they were just such. They were such great guys. So just, just really, really good. Um, they were. Um, I think that as a group, and if you weren't a good guy in that group, you wouldn't stay in the group for very long. You'd get sort of ushered to the side. So um, I suppose it helped that I was doing okay. So I was in the team, and the team was was 
you know, successful. So there wasn't anyone saying flipping it. What's he doing? Turning up on Friday, uh, and and just 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 playing. It was more. I'd get some stick, but it was just that. It was stick, and they'd have a laugh and a joke and and that sort of thing. And I'd have a bit of a laugh and a joke back. And I always feel, you know, me personally, I always feel that like I can get on with most people. So I think I was able to get on with most people in the dressing room. And you know, when when I trained in the summer holidays, I'd give as good as I could get. I gained a little bit of respect on the training pitch. You know, I was, I was a competitive player. Someone kicked me, I'd kick them back twice as hard. So, you know, I think I gained gained respect from 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 the group. So it was twofold, really. So I think I had respect from the group, but also the group themselves were were, were top guys, were really really good guys, and understood the situation. Yeah, and like you said, you played a lot of games in those first few years. I was looking at it, it was like. 35 league games your first season, 39 the second season, the third season you played every league game. So what was yeah, what was the what was the key to that? Or was it just was it just how it went? What was the key to it? Yeah, it just it just how it went. You know, I, I was I was fit. I was I was fit and I was strong. Um I was aerobically really good. So um I always felt um as though I could, you know, pre-season when we did our runs and that sort of stuff, I'd always be at the front. I'd make a, I'd make a concerted effort to make sure that no one ran past me. There, there might have been one or two. So Mossy was a pretty good runner, David Moss, probably again, a guy you might not remember, but he was playing around about that time. There was a guy called James Lomas, who was a young player at the time, who always tried to get past me and I couldn't quite let him get past me. And sometimes he did and sometimes he didn't. And I didn't really, you know, the, the James used to wind me up loads, you know, in training sessions. And but he really helped me stay at the front of, of, of you know, on top of my game at the front of all the sessions. So actually, he was frustrating as a as a kid, but you know, he he, he really helped me to be honest. James did, and maybe he doesn't know that, but he did. Um, so yeah, I was I was really fit. I was really enjoying the football. John John liked me as a player. I think. Um, I was at that stage. I was I was really functional, so maybe you wouldn't see me dropping the shoulder and stepping over the ball and taking people on and smacking in the top corner like Kevin Davis and Reevesy and um, Tony Lorma and those sorts of players, um, or or even at the back. You know, Daichi Daichi would be like an imposing character, and he would jump out at you in terms of his heading and his tackles and his voice. But I think I was one of those players again as a coach. Now I, I, I think. Sometimes you underestimate the, the players that are really functional, help the other players play. So my role really was to land on the ball in midfield and give it Kev, and Kev would run forward and cross it in for John or for for Andy to score. Um, and you probably notice Kev running running forward and crossing it in, and you probably notice Andy and John knocking it in, but you perhaps wouldn't notice the bit where I landed on the ball and give it to Kev. And and that, that I think we all helped each other. I think all, so I was quite a fun, functional part of the, I was quite, yeah, I, was quite, I think I was quite an important part of the group and the way we played. Um, so yeah. Sometimes those, those functional players can get a bit of stick, can't they, from fans sometimes, you know, because maybe you're passing it, uh, you're just starting off the move, so you're passing it sideways a bit. You're not having the Hollywood yeah. pass always, and sometimes yeah. you get a bit of stick. But but they are really yeah. important part, especially to good attacking teams, aren't they? Or, or good winning teams. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm not saying I was um, massively underrated, and I should have played in the Premier League. But <laughs> I think at that time I was, I, I was, I was okay, and I helped the team do well. Um, 
you know, get some stick off the, the fans. Mate, no, not really, not really. I think there was the odd, odd, you know, odd, odd, odd one or two, but I think there is in in any team. The fans were always brilliant at Chesterfield. You always felt it was a really family orientated club. The fans were really supported the players, and the players felt that they were part of the part of the of, of the of the club. I think back then players would stay at the club a little bit longer than they would do now. We were part of the, you know, the, the, the social scene for want of a better word. All the lads lived close to the ground. All the lads would try and get in early to see each other, to have a game of cricket, to have um, a cup of tea before we went out. And we'd all socialise together as a group as well. We'd all, you know, if you think about, if I think about the friends I've still got in the game, um, I'd pick out Chris Perkins, I'd pick out Jonathan Howard, I'd pick out Andy Morris, pick out Kev Davis, th- th- those sorts of guys, you know, they were not Jules. We were so close back then, you know, we were really, really close. We all went out together, we all socialised together. And I think that really helped, again, the group and it helped the team's performance. Yeah. I think as fans as well, you can tell when you've got a squad like that on the pitch. Um, yeah. They just seem so much more together when you're celebrating goals and things like that. Everyone just seems... Uh, yeah, we were. Yeah, I mean that that the, the years we went up. So I'm not sure what that year was. Was that my was that my third year? Uh, I think it was second second year, I think. Yeah, the year we went up, and then the year of the the cup run. I suppose those three or four years. Crikey, we were we were definitely together. Yeah, we 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 had a real tight group, um, and yes, we had players that came in, and players that came out. If you came into that group, you had to be really good. Do you know what I mean? So I think of lads like Marcus Ebden when he first turned up. You know, we, we were all a little bit suspicious of him, really, because we played against him. We knew he was a good player. He came into dressing room, comes into dressing room, we think, who's this? You know, he's, he wasn't shy, Marcus. Uh, and he'd shout the odds straight away. And we all we were all thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this. You know, he, how's he going to get in our group? But he did eventually, because he's a good lad and a good player. And he eventually gets himself into the group. But there were players that came in at that time that would come in and we'd think, not sure, and they go out fairly quickly. Um, not sure that that's a good thing, but that I guess that sort of demonstrates the tight the, the, the tightness to the group we had at that time. I mean, Sean Sean was was the captain at the time, and he was um, he wouldn't suffer fault. He, he, he'd tell you straight, you know, whether or not he thought you were behaving in the right manner, whether or not you thought he thought you were you were playing in the right way, and he, he, you know he, he wouldn't have any airs or graces to hide you. He'd just tell you. Yeah. And I think that honesty ran through the whole group. You know, if people didn't give their all on the pitch or run hard, you wouldn't be in the boot very long. And 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 I, th- I think John and Kev were really skillful the way they managed the the the, the, um, the environment. So the group would do a lot of that sort of stuff. Training was always good. I mean, we had some awful facilities. If you look at the facilities these these days. We train on Holmbrook Valley Park. You get Kev going out to check out which park was free that morning before he got into to, to work. Then we go and train there, but it never really mattered. We just got on with it. And again, I think that was yeah, un- unbelievable time at the club and really shaped my my values, I, I guess, as a coach now and as a as a person. And what was it like on the pitch with um, kind of Daishi shouting shouting instructions at you from behind? <laughs> What's it like having him behind you? Yeah. Well, we again we had good players throughout in the, in those years. We had some really good players. So 
Dighty played at the start with uh, with Nicky, Nicky Law. And Nicky, Nicky was the shouting baller, really. He was the organiser. Um, so Nicky was a good player. And then he, 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 as he got a little bit older, we, we, we started to struggle a little bit on, on transition and the counter-attacks and all that sort of stuff. So players like um, Darren Carr came in at centre-back. If you can remember Darren. Darren was... Um, you want Darren in your team because he was um, honest as the day is long, great defender, tough as nails. You know, he was absolutely nails, another good player. And then Mark Williams as well behind us who came in towards, you know, just after promotion. I think we signed him from Shrewsbury. Another top player. He was a top player. You know, he went and played the Premier League and he's a good, good player. So the, the, the players that played behind me, including Sean, were, you know, I had some decent players at Chesterfield playing behind me. And I guess my job was to try and protect the back four out of possession. Yeah. And to John, John was always talking about sliding and screening. So we did a lot of that, running sideways to stop the ball getting into the front players to try and protect the back players. But when the ball did get in there, those those players were really good and they were good at organising the stuff in front. So, yeah, they were, they were some good players. And Daichi was, yeah, Daichi was um, strong, vocal, aggressive, ruthless, tough, tough, all those things. Ironically, he started as a, as a right-back. When I first arrived, he was a he was a sort of ball-playing right-back. He fancied himself as a bit of a footballer and he was a good player. Um but yeah, he played right back, and I think he he had an injury. And when he when he came back from, I think it was a broken foot, he ended up at centre back. I mean, he never really really moved away from that position. Yeah, and then and then like like you touched upon um, with the playoff, the playoff win and, and getting promotion. That was um, that must have been a great experience with that happening kind of early in your career. Yeah, I was still at university, so I can remember all the all my mates from from university came and and, and watched. I think there was, I think, I don't know what the crowd was, it was about, about 15,000. It wasn't that, that wasn't that many, but but we were at Wembley, the old Wembley. And uh, it was, the, I guess it was one of the first times I played on a pitch that, you know, it was so manicured. It was unbelievable. I can remember walking on it the day before and you'd make footprints on the, on the, on the pitch because you turned the grass the opposite way to the, to the way the roller had sort of laid the grass down on the surface. So it was, it was um, a brilliant experience. As with most of those big games, I, I, I can't really remember much about the games, if I'm going to be honest. The, the, it, 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 it all ends up as a bit of a blur. Um, I, can remember, I can remember being tired and not playing that well, the game not being that good. But we scored, I think, off two long throws, two Nicky Law long throws. I think Robbo scored. I think Tony Lorma scored. And then we were fairly comfortable for, 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 the, uh, for, for the rest of the game. The one thing I do remember is is the morning of the game, we played a back three, we played a 3-5-2 all year. We've been really successful and we'd won the last, I think we had a run towards the end of the season where we, we, were, we were absolutely flying, we won, won loads of games. And then on the last, um, on the morning of the playoff final, um, the gaffer says, right, we're playing 4-4-2. So well, we've not done this all year. So we played a different formation in the, in the final than we did for the, for the rest of the, the year. Like called Des Hazel came in off the and played left left midfield. And then he left he, he left straight after. I think he played one, maybe one, maybe two games, but the, he played in the playoff final. And then um Billy Stewart as well, he played in goal. So I think the goalies win I think Jed got injured. I think Jed got injured, Mick Leonard got injured in that season. So we had two new players in the team for that particular game. And we were playing a totally new system. 
at Wembley in the biggest game of all our careers. So we managed to see it through. So yeah, it's good. What were the, what were you all whispering to each other as players when, when he comes out and says you're playing four four two? I don't know if we I can't really remember if we whispered or not. We just got on with it. You know, I don't think it was like we we really. I mean, John, John, we all gave John a bit of not a stick, but we we had a re, you know everyone had a really good relationship with John. I mean, he's the best manager I worked with by a million miles. And I think even now, again as a coach, you look back to some of the stuff he did, and he did get some stick towards the end of his time at Chesterfield. But he was a genius as a manager, a genius as a tactician, and a genius in terms of man management. He would really get the best out of everybody, and he'd always. Um, be able to pick the team to suit the needs of the, um, yeah, to suit the strengths of the individuals in the group. And I think that is, you know, that's coaching, that's management, that's that's what the best people can do. Uh, and he was always um, able to do that. So there was a lot of trust there, I think, before b- between the players and the and the uh, and, and the manager. And he would have rationalised it. I, I can't remember how, but he would have rationalised it in a in a way that we all thought, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good idea. He would have got by in definitely. Yeah, and um, and yeah, I just wondered whether there were opportunities to kind of go elsewhere during that time because there was. I read that there was rumours that was it like West Brom or someone like that that maybe inquired or something. Uh, I just wondered. Yeah, if back, back, like that. yeah, back then we never had agents and we didn't really find that sort of stuff out. I can remember reading it in shoot. It was shoot that I was going to go to West Brom for four hundred thousand. I think it was. <laughs> um, no one ever told me about it if, if if it happened. I think John John's mentioned it since. Um, how far it got down the line, I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, we had we had we had good players in the group, and eventually, after the the, the FA Cup semi final, most of the, that team actually moved on, and most of the team moved on to some really really, you know, to, to, to better things. So, not better things to higher levels. Yeah. So Mark Mark goes into the Premier League. I I eventually go to the Championship. Darty went into the Championship. Kev went into the Premier League. Um, yeah, Billy went into the Champ. So so there were some good players in the group. So it, it wasn't an accident that we were successful in that FA Cup run. It was like oh, just to go from League League Two um, or League One playing against the Premier League. And we ran them really, really close. That's no accident. You know, it wasn't a fluke that we had a good team. You know, we had as you know, we were we weren't far off Middlesbrough in terms of the, the quality in the group. I know they had they had Janino who was a step above everybody, and they had Emerson, who was um, you know a Portuguese international. But the rest of them we weren't far off. So it wasn't an accident that, you know, it wasn't a, a, a fluke, it was just because we had a good team. And yeah. and we put everything, I think towards the back end of that season, we put everything into the cup. So if you were if you were if you got to that stage of the cup, and you were a League One team, now I think you, and you had a League One team that was capable of getting into the championship, you'd probably put your eggs into that basket. But we put all our eggs into the FA Cup basket because that at the time was a bigger competition. For, you know, so we so we went that way, and we, you know, we rested players in the league. When listen, if we'd have gone and gone you know gone strong in the league, we'd have gone up no problem, and I think we would have stayed in the championship no problem as well. Yeah. So do you think that was the that was the right decision then to concentrate on the on the cup in, in hindsight? At the time, yeah. I mean the cup was everything back then, wasn't it? The cup was such a big thing. Um yeah, it, yeah, I mean we went yeah, that that was the you know, the, the again it's a long time ago now, what was it, twenty 
25 years. years. 25 years, yeah. So, again, I don't know if you can remember, but the 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 the, um, the town was buzzing. You know, the whole town was buzzing. It was just so cool. Um, you know, you had you had you know people making cookies and Chesterfield FA cut cookies in the bakers, and you had like um, Chesterfield flags outside the 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 you know the the, the clothes shops. I can remember people queuing for tickets all the way down the the road outside Saltergate. There's a real buzz and real good uh, feel in the town. So I think again, the purpose of you know clubs like Chesterfield is to you know they're the hub of the community, and you know Chesterfield for sure at that time was was a big part of the town. The club was a big part of the town, and maybe you know. Recent, in recent years, that sort of drifted away for one reason or another. But at the time, that was a, it was a big part of the town, and everyone felt that they were part of that 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 success. So, was it the right decision? Absolutely, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely, couldn't agree more. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it was a like I say, you you scored the penalty against uh, against Forest. So, um, and and with the um, keeper getting sent off, you had quite a bit of time to think about it, where you're going to put it uh, when a keeper gets sent off. Um, do you remember that kick? Do you already already decide? I remember that one. Yeah, I remember that one because um, Nicky, Nicky was on penalties that year and he had got, um, I mean, he was out of the team by the time we got to the backstage of the FA Cup. So Nicky was on penalties. He got injured in a game away at Luton and I took the penalty at Luton. I don't know why, I can't remember. I can remember getting it and I smashed it down the middle. We won one nil. Um, so now I'm a penalty taker. So a um, couple of games later, I get we're playing against Wrexham on um, I think it was Saturday afternoon. We're at Wrexham on the racehorse ground. Get another penalty. Flipping it, I'm on the pen, I'm on penalties again. I don't know why or how, but I, I can remember turning it, to, turning me foot, turning me hips, and kicking it in the bottom left hand corner. Scored. Against um, it was against Marriott. I think it was yeah. Anyway, I scored that one. Gets to the uh, um, the quarter final against Forest, and we get a penalty again. And there'd been no chat about like Tom, you're on penalties, but it just I'm, I was on penalties. So um, yeah, I got the I got the ball fairly early. There's a cut for four. I can remember Dean Saunders and Brian Roy trying to give me some stick. It was in front of the away end. And I could see, because I'm from Derby, but I'm from Elkiston. So half of Elkiston sports Derby and half of Elkiston sports Nottingham Forest. So I could see all my mates, the Forest fans in the crowd, and they're all giving me some stick as well. <laughs> um, but I felt pretty calm at the time. God knows why, because I wouldn't do these days. And I put it exactly the same place I did against um, as the penalty I took against Wrexham a couple of weeks before. And that goes in. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. And we win 1-0. He's taken Howard out. Howard got goal side of the defender. Crossley knew no other way to stop him. And Chesterfield have a penalty against 10 men. Crossley, a shake of the head, is on his way to the dressing room. He won't bother stopping to see the rest of the action. And what a chance for Chesterfield of Division 2. And Alan Fettis is the substitute goalkeeper. What a moment for him to have to come on, though, to face a penalty, and it'll be Tom Curtis who takes it for Chesterfield. He's had successes from the spot before now. And the former Loughborough University student 
can give Chesterfield the lead here and he scores Chesterfield 1 Nottingham Forest 0 and you'll be able to hear the roar as far as Nottingham the game we stuffed Forest really we, 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 we out physical them um, I think um, we were one or two players down that day because we'd had it'd been a big fight against Plymouth a couple yeah. of weeks before and a couple of lads were suspended so Big Daz was suspended I'm not sure if Daichi played I think he was out injured I think Dutch played Dutch played at centre back me and Chris Bowman played in midfield and we had them off really they had some good players but they, they, they didn't it was, a, it was a cold March day bobbly pitch fans were mad for it we were absolutely mad for it that day and we didn't you know we weren't checking out and keeping possession of the ball for 25 passes, but every time they got there to touch, we'd be, we'd be all over them. So we played against Bart Williams in midfield. He was a, like a cultured midfield maestro sort of player, but me and Chris just had him off because every time he touched it, we smashed him and it, it, it took a bit of a back foot. And yeah, and it was a good day. It was a good day. Um, and it's brilliant when all the crowd came on afterwards. It was fantastic. When you do become penalty taker, do you, do, were you did you ever have a practice in training or anything like that? And when it comes to when it comes to matches, are you, when you get a penalty, are you, is part of you just thinking, "Oh heck, <laughs> got to take another one." Well, I, I work with England teams at the moment, so I work in the yeah. I coach the under 17s for England now with a colleague of mine, as well as some of the other uh, youth teams, and and we the players practice all the time, so we try and get them to practice penalties. Um, and every time we get an opportunity to take penalties in a friendly fixture, we'll take that opportunity. So we might have a friendly fixture against the Netherlands, and then at the end of that fixture, we'll have a penalty shootout. So we get some practice. And in training, the players will practice. And you know, you you, you speak to people about Harry Kane, for instance, and he's and he's really you know he's really structured about his approach. He practices all the time, and there's no accident that he scores all the time as well. Got to be honest, that wasn't that wasn't me. I didn't I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I didn't know what I know now. So I was a penalty taker, and yeah, I'd take one or two penalties, but I, I didn't I didn't practice them in the way that I should have done. And there's lots of things I would like to do now, um, do differently now. I guess as a player, knowing what I know now as a coach, and knowing how the game's moved on. Um, but no, I didn't do a lot of practice at all, and. That particular penalty, I felt fine. I missed the next two. So I missed one against, I can't remember. I missed one against Peterborough. I put it over the um, the stand. Tried to smash it and put it straight over the stand against Peterborough. I missed two in between that penalty and the semi-final penalty. Um, so when we got to the semi-final, I was really still on, I suppose in many ways, I was still on penalties because no one really had, no one had scored a penalty or even taken a penalty in between the two. So um, I've watched it back and you, there's a, we get the penalty and Andy Gray goes, Tom Curtis is on penalties, but he's missed the last two and it zooms in on me and then it zooms in on the gaffer, on, on uh, John, and he's going, Daichi, Daichi, Daichi. And like, I brought the ball, I'm looking around and, and fortunately Daichi's come and took the ball off me and he smashed it down the middle and he, he scored. So I was on, I was spot in many, I, I think I can't remember, but I think I was probably on in inverted commas penalties, but John was... Pretty keen for Daichi to take it when um, when he did, and probably it's a good job. By Hewitt and Morris. Can he hold off Bester? Still Morris. This terrific play brought down. David Ellery thinks and gives 
You're shouting Dykes, I think. You're shouting to the captain. They're all looking at each other. Come on, who wants it, lads? They're looking around. Someone step up. Put your foot through it. But this is the incident. Fest that he muscles out. Keeper goes to ground. I think the goalkeeper's unlucky, I have to say. I think the big lad earned the penalty. Well, let me tell you, Tom Curtis scored against Forrest from the penalty spot to win the fifth-round tie, but he's missed two since then. Captain's and he's passed the responsibility to the captain. Well, if you're not sure, lad, the only ones I can offer that, just smash it. Sean Dyche. He smashed it all right. Chesterfield leads. Middlesbrough by two goals to nil. Would you have uh, done the same? Would you have just smashed it? <laughs> I think so at that time, yeah. But I tried to smash against Peter and I smashed it over the bar, so who knows? <laughs> well, it wouldn't have gone over the stand, I suppose, at Old Trafford. Well, it would have to be... Uh, a really bad one to go over, <laughs> over the stand at Old Trafford. Yeah, got funny. Yeah, like it's funny that, like you say about going over the stand. Willow, um, Mark Williams always, always tried to. He, he saw it as a bit of a um, a challenge to clear clear the stand, you know, in the game. So he, one of his clearances had to go in the stand, and he, and he, um, he said, I can remember him saying before the game against Old Trafford, I'm like, walking around, I'm going to clear the stand, I'm going to whack it over the stand, and he, and he had some good goes at it. I don't think he made it in that game, but it was so funny. He's like one of those things you, you're sort of laughing about during the game when he smashes it as hard as he can directly upwards and you know what he's trying to do. So, yeah, it's funny. That's something he had in his contract then. <laughs> a little bit of a bonus every yeah. time he plays the stand. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and as both scenes you mentioned it, we should touch upon it, but the Battle of Saltergate and that big that big fight was just a few weeks before, um, before Old Trafford, wasn't it? It was just... I mean, what what happened there? It was just one. It was just one hell of a fight, wasn't it, between between the two teams? I took the corner, so I was out taking the corner. Uh, it was a good ball, actually. Probably one of my few good balls from 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 the corner. Just dropped it, I think, onto Darren's head. He went up for an header. I think he clashed well on their centre backs, and then it all kicked off. Um, okay, okay, no, it was a tough game. You know, Plymouth were tough. They had some tough tough centre backs. He had a guy called Ronnie Moje who played for, for Plymouth, who was a really good footballer, but a tough guy as well. Um, he was a central midfield player. I always used to have a good battle with him. I was pretty scared of him, but I felt I could be competitive on the pitch. But then as soon as I got off the pitch, I wouldn't go in the bar afterwards because I thought he might beat me up. But <laughs> but yeah, they were a tough group. Um I, I don't know what I don't know what happened. Darren was you wouldn't Darren was not no one's gonna back down in our team. So if someone pushes Darren, he ain't gonna back down. Same with Kev. Kev's not going to back down so I think those two ended up getting sent off and then everyone else sort of joined in yeah. um, apart from maybe Jamie so I, if you get, if you get a chance to look at it it's, I think I remember him kicking someone up the, up the arse I think Jamie kicked <laughs> someone it's a good clip because we all gave him some stick about it so he kicks someone while, while we're on the floor and then he runs off <laughs> Jamie <laughs> It's funny, yeah. It's all kicking off. But you you didn't want to get in the way of Darren and their big centre-half having a fight. It's not the right thing to be doing. I just stayed at the corner flag and kept out with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then yeah, going on going on a bit, it was a, like a disappointing final season, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't that was the relegation season? I think you only played kind of about 17 games, I think, something that season. So was that a disappointing yeah. season kind of looking on? Yeah. For a lot of the games, while well, that was all not winning games, I got injured. So I was injured for a lot of that season. I'm not sure how many knee ups I had that year, but 
Um, I think I had one, then I came back, then I had another one. So I was out injured a lot. So I didn't play. That's why That's why I didn't play. Um, and we'd lost. I think Sean had left by then. He got to Bristol City. Billy had gone to Bristol City as well. I think Dutch had gone to Bristol City. I think three of them all went. So we'd lost some pretty good players uh, for one reason or another. We'd had some significant injuries. So it meant that we, we'd played some players that wouldn't normally play. And we just got a really poor role. Um, yeah, a, a really poor role. And we, 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 we couldn't score. We, I don't think we conceded that many. We couldn't score. And then eventually John John went, which was really disappointing. Really, you know, really, you know, I think I think when John went, I think I was out injured again. I think I was out injured again. And Nicky came in. Uh, and then a guy called, was it Darren Brown? He, he came in to take over the club with and all sorts of shenanigans going on with, with him in charge. So, yeah, it was it was it was a disappointing end. But to be fair to John, he'd been there for what eight years, seven eight years. Um, and then he'd also had another really successful spell prior to that spell. So, I mean, to this day, if you if you ask most people who the best manager Chesterfield have had, you wouldn't you would you'd be saying it was John. I'd be saying it was John. I know we've had some good ones since, and Cookie was good, and he had a decent team. But in terms of longevity and and success and getting the best out of the players, you, you couldn't look, um, you wouldn't look further than John Duncan. He, he, you know, outstanding guy, brilliant coach, top man manager, and a really good friend of mine still. So, and, and the rest of the guys. So he'll always, you know, be friends with with, with Daichi or speak to Daichi a lot. And he always looks after the, looks after his lads even even now. So yeah, good good guy. But disappointing. You're right. Really disappointing. End, but yeah, and then inevitable. Inevitably, in football, this happens. People get the sack. I think that's the one certainty in football is that the managers will go at some point. Yeah, nothing, nothing goes on forever, does it? Um, and and then you ended up moving to Portsmouth, didn't you? But and it was was it Tony Poulis that signed you? But then he was gone after a couple of months, wasn't he? So um, he left. Yeah, yeah. So that must be really disappointing when you sign for a club for a manager and then and then he's gone. Yeah, I mean Tony again, really good guy looks after his players um, really well organised very much like John really in terms of playing style massively successful you know you can't disregard the stuff that Tony's done in the game you know really successful at a number of different clubs top coach you know, top 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 coach Not, don't don't under, underestimate how good he is as a, as a coach and a manager um, but he I was really you know I was fortunate enough to go to Portsmouth with him but unfortunate again to get another injury and this injury was the injuries I had at Portsmouth really stopped me and changed the way I had to play. So prior to going to um, Portsmouth, I was a runner. I was really good at getting up and down and getting close to someone and slowing down and putting pressure on. It was really difficult to play against. Um, perhaps not didn't have the football that you know maybe I had towards the back in my career, but effective. So when I went to Portsmouth, I broke my ankle and then I smashed my knee up. So I was out for 18 months. And when I came back, I wasn't as quick. I lost a yard of pace. Um, couldn't change direction in the way I used to be able to change direction. So I had to adapt and change my game. So I, I was now like a sitter, a sitting midfield player. And actually, I could pass it now. So I run, again, ironically, when you're out injured, you do a lot of technical work. And I got better with my left and my right foot, better at controlling the ball. So when I went... To um, onto places like Mansfield and Tranmere and those sorts of players places. I was more of a footballer. I was more of a um, not quite a creative player, but I definitely be able to control the game a little bit better. Yeah. 
maybe, maybe just certainly playing a different style. So uh, yeah, at Portsmouth was again a really good experience because I was I trained with some great players. So if you think about like a guy, there's a guy called Robert Prozinetsky who was at um, Portsmouth at the time, who you know was at Barcelona, and you think he was he won the Ballon d'Or, and then Paul Merson was at Portsmouth as well. What a good, what a good player Merson was. Um, so yeah, learned a lot from those sorts of guys and had a good experience, but didn't really play that many games, if I'm going to be honest, because of injury. Yeah. And then uh, you ended up uh, at Mansfield, didn't you? Like you, like you said, was that? Did you ever think twice about that just because of the long time at Chesterfield, or was it? Or was it just a good opportunity no, to back up? Certainly, when when I I, I was playing in reserves at Portsmouth, just getting back to some sort of fitness, I had two offers. I had um, I was coming to the end of my contract. I signed a three-year contract at Portsmouth. I think I had six months left on it. Um, I had two offers. I had an offer from Sheffield Wednesday to go to the end of the season on decent money, but the contract was only to the end of the season. And I had an offer from Keith Curl at Mansfield to go for 18 months um, on less money, um, a lot less money actually. Um, so um, at the time, I'd been out. I'd been out injured for 18 months, nearly two years. Wasn't that sure about how many was going to hold up. When you're a footballer, all you know is football. You know, I'm a footballer now, so what am I going to do if, I, if my knee goes? My only other job was working in McDonald's, and I don't want to go back working McDonald's. So um, it was really just a pragmatic decision at the time. It was right. I need to give myself 18 months because I know I'm not quite fit yet. Um, Mansfield offering me that gives me an opportunity to get back closer to my friends and my family. Yes, it was Mansfield. Uh, but yeah, Keith Keith was good. So Keith Curl, the coach, was really, really good. Good coach. I think it was his first job as a, as a manager and he's been pretty successful subsequently. Um, you know, and, and the, the, the feel of the club and the nature of the people, it, it, was, it was similar to, it was different, but it was similar to Chesterfield in that, again, it's a hub of a community. It's a, it's a mining town. There's an honesty that runs runs through the area, which I really like and really enjoyed. So I did I did enjoy my time there. But I've got to say, um, one of my first games was against Chesterfield in a in a in a derby. Um, we went down that year, but we did manage to beat Chesterfield at Saltergate, and I can remember the game. I, that 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 but first set six months at Mansfield, I was pretty crap to be honest. But we managed to win that game, and I was getting loads of stick off the Mansfield stat. Um, the Mansfield fans in the first six months, we went down that season. Um, we, we, we won that game. But then after that, I, I, I did well at Mansfield. I won the player of the year a couple of years on the spin and was captain and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I did pretty well in the end at Mansfield. So that was, that was, that was good. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we should just finally just touch on what you've kind of been doing since, because you've had a really interesting career, haven't you, post, post playing. You were first at, Loughborough Uni, weren't you, with teaming up with John Duncan again, and then, and yeah. then you end up kind of in a, <laughs> a dream job that many people would think in terms of international coaching. Um, so how did yeah. how did that all happen, kind of post playing career? Um, I I finished when I was at uh, Notts County, so um, I think it was about thirty four. I'd got a contract at Notts County. Um, Again, I think I broke my foot halfway through the season. I had six months left on the contract and I had the opportunity to um, 
to sign on loan for a team called Nuneaton Borough. So I signed for Nuneaton. And that essentially meant I was going part-time as a footballer. So I had an, an opportunity to take this job at Loughborough. A friend of mine, a guy called James Ellis, had offered me this opportunity as a head coach at Loughborough. So I had zero, not zero. I had a little bit of coaching experience because I'd been coaching at Derby County and Nottingham Forest. And also, I suppose I was a player coach at Mansfield and Chester for Curly in many ways. So I took this job because I thought it'd be a good idea, a good apprenticeship as a coach. I didn't, I never really wanted to rush into management and coaching. I think, I'm not sure whether or not that was a, the right idea or not. I know a lot of people these days when they finish playing, jump straight into management. I think if I'd have, if I'd have wanted to, I could have, I could have at that time because I'd been captain at most of the clubs I'd been at. I always had the respect for the players in the dressing room. I felt I could organise the group. Um, but I suppose 51% of me said, right, well, you're not ready. You need to do an apprenticeship. You need to become a coach because it's a different job. So I um, I decided that it'd be a good idea to go and do that apprenticeship at Loughborough. So I combined playing part-time at Alfreton and Nuneaton with coaching at Loughborough. Um had a brilliant, brilliant time. Great apprenticeship. Worked with some good people. We we were successful in in terms of um, on the pitch. So we got a number of promotions. We we managed to build a stadium and a really nice football facility. Um, we managed to um, give students the opportunity to go back into the professional game. So people were coming out of football like I did. Um, and then they were going through our football programme and then going back into the professional game, which is a big part of what the, uh, the university wanted them to, to you know, what, what we were about. We were never going to send people back into the Premier League or, or into the Olympics and things like that, like the other sports at the university uh, were uh, aspiring to do. But a big part of our role was to develop people and give them the opportunity back in the industry. And we, we did that, which was brilliant. Um, end of about four years I had the opportunity to go out to Antigua and take the national team manager's job there I wanted to get back into pro football and I felt I drift, drifted out of professional football having made that decision to go and do an apprenticeship in coaching what had happened was I, I, I drifted out of pro football um, for one reason or another so I felt you know I need to get back into senior football and competitive football so I took that opportunity to go out to Antigua and we did the, the World Cup qualification for 2014. So we did two years worth of qualification games. Um, again, we were, I say again, we, we were successful. We were successful. We got further than anybody, you know, that I, anyone had ever got with a, a nation that size. Um, we had a development side, what we call a development side in the league called the USL, which is in the States. So it's a second tier below the, the MLS. And we had a, a team that would play in that in the summer. And then in the winter, we do the qualification games. So lots of football, lots of coaching. It was just me. You know, I went on my own. So again, really good learning for me in terms of management, in terms of working in a different culture. Um, felt I learned loads about coaching players, management, managing up, managing down, um, traveling. So it was a bit, again a brilliant, a brilliant more you know more 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 learning, more apprenticeships, and so I've always thought that taking having these different experiences would help me become a better manager, coach, when I got an opportunity to do so. Yeah, 
So, yeah, so, so, so that was it really. I mean, I came back after two years when essentially the, the, the funding ran out for the, for the programme, so I came back um, and went to Bristol Rovers as an academy manager, which was fine. Um, but eventually then got a job at the FA and then I've been coaching the national teams ever, ever since. Yeah, and what, what, what's kind of your day-to-day job role in coaching national teams, is it? Because um, are you coaching a certain, are you just coaching an age group or is it a certain discipline within that age group? Uh, yeah, so we've had a number of job, jobs. I suppose there's been a number of jobs and a lot of um, different perspectives on what my job looks like over the last two, three, four years. When I first started, I was combining coaching the national teams with a coach development role. So I'd be delivering qualifications like the A-licence, the Advanced Youth Award, the Pro Licence, those sorts of qualifications to coaches coming through the pathway. Um, I've, I've sort of stepped away from that a little bit now and I'm more on the teams and performance side. So um, I, along with um, a colleague of mine, are responsible for um, the youth development phase. So that is basically the 15s, under 15s, under 16s, under 17s. So each age group will have a different objective. So the under 17s, for instance, which is a competitive group, we're trying to qualify for the World Cup. We're going to play in European Championships. Um, that's a competitive group. Whereas the under 15s is, is what we call a talent ID group, where we're trying to find out who the best players are in the country, um, find out as much as we can about them, and uh, help them, you know, help them develop at their clubs. So that's 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 the job really. So what does it involve? It involves um, delivering when we're, when they're on camp, managing and organising the, the the camps and the training, and then when we are um, when we're off camp, um, I, I guess there's lots of planning involved. There's also a contribution that we have to make to coach ed. So we'll, we'll also deliver on the courses as well. And we'll also um, engage with the clubs. So getting out to watch the players and coach the players in their clubs, in their own environment, is, is, is really important for us as well. As well as I'm fortunate enough to do the, some senior scouting as well. So with Gareth's team um, going into the Euros this, this, this season, I've, you know, in, in the time since Christmas, I've done a lot of senior scouting. I've been out to the been lucky enough to get to the senior games. We've been one of the only ones that can can get into those sorts of games to watch watch those games live. So that's been that's been um, I've been really lucky to be able to do that. Yeah, so yeah, pretty cool job. Um, yeah. so, so to so to kind of finish up. So are you have you still got ambitions to go into management? Is that something that you'd quite like to do at some point, or is it sounds like a great job you're doing at the moment? So. Um, so yeah, I just wondered what your thoughts are in terms of if you'd still do management. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like I said, I think I took the decision maybe 10, 15 years ago to um, make sure that I'm ready or to try and do the best I can to be ready if and when an opportunity comes along. So um, I've taken, you know, I've, I've, take, I've had different experiences that I think will help me as and when um, I, I make that decision to go into management, if I'm given the opportunity, so I think, I think I'm pretty well equipped. I've, I've you know, I've, I've coached international teams, I've coached in the states in a league, I've coached youth teams. I've got a really, I've got a decent understanding of you know the, certainly the young players in the pathway, and I know 
that would be important, I guess, in, if you went into a management role. So um, is it something I still want to do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think um, you know, when you're a footballer, you, you've always got that, um, that competitive edge. And I, I think that was one of my big strengths as a player to, 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 to want to win and, and have that competitive edge. And I think if you're going to go into management, you need to have that edge. It's almost like, you know, managers will say, oh, it's a drug. It's, you know, it's really stressful, but I can't live without it. And I can sort of see that. You know, I haven't I haven't been in first team football for a number of years. So I do miss it at times, got to be honest. Yeah, and it seems like a, almost a, there's some similarities in the pathway between James Rowe, who we've obviously got as manager at Chesterfield now, in that he kind of went to the Johan Cruyff Institute and did some education there and has been doing some work at the Premier League. And then he's kind of building up a, a coaching career post that. I just wondered if you'd... Uh, you'd kind of taken notice in terms of what was happening at Chesterfield at the moment and that kind of revolution under his management in the short time he's been here. Yeah, it seems, it seems good. Yeah, it seems like he's doing a good job. I don't know him. Um, I've, not, I've, I've not come across him, if I'm going to be honest. I think I'm a bit older than him, unfortunately. I wish I was his age. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, um, yeah, it seems like he's done a really, really good job. I haven't been back to Chesterfield for a bit. I mean, I, it's something I... It's definitely on my list of things to do. I'd like to go and see the team play and, and 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 sort of get more involved in the club if I'm going to be if I'm going to be honest. But I suppose in recent times I've had other stuff other stuff to do and, and even now you can't get into those those, those games. It's really difficult to, to get into. So yeah, I've taken note. It's great to see the club back on the you know the the, the on the front foot. Um, we need the club back in the league, don't we? We need we need them back in the in, in the league, challenging for you know league 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 one and championship because that's where I see I see Chesterfield. I don't see them as a as a conference side. If I'm going to be honest, um, so hopefully James can do a really continue to do a really really good job and get them get them close back to that level. 